This episode is brought to you by Near Country Provisions. If you're like me, here are some things you might be like. You live in the Mid-Atlantic. You enjoy meat. You highly prefer that your meat is local, sustainable, and comes from ethically raised animals. And you'd absolutely love for someone to deliver it to your door once a month. If this sounds like you, then you need Near Country Provisions in your life. Head over to nearcountry.com and check out their different, highly customizable meat delivery packages and also browse their growing seafood selection. As a thank you for being a Modern Bar Cart listener, you can get two free pounds of ground beef or bacon included in your first order after subscribing if you enter the code BARCART, all one word, at checkout. That's BARCART, B-A-R-C-A-R-T, at checkout. Near Country Provisions is the real deal, and I can honestly say that I'd recommend them even if they weren't a sponsor. The meat and the local farmers they work with are just that good. Now, back to the show. Modern. 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 We're prepping for a voyage. Modern. The force of an old-fashioned equals whiskey mass times bitters acceleration. Why don't you make that a double? Modern Bar Cart. What's shaking, cocktail fans? Welcome to episode 189 of the Modern Bar Cart podcast. I'm your host, Modern Bar Cart CEO, Eric Koslick. Thanks for joining me for this, our fifth installment of the Breaking Bloody series, where we place the Bloody Mary cocktail under a microscope in hopes of unlocking some of its mysterious tomatoey secrets. This time around, we're joined by longtime listener and home bartender Adam Bauer, who serves as our co-producer and travel correspondent. Why would we need one of those, you might ask? Well, I thought it was high time that we return to the Bloody Mary's origins at the St. Regis Hotel in New York to learn about how this brand is taking everyone's favorite brunch cocktail to new heights at each of its many locations around the world. We visit three different St. Regis hotels this episode and walk you through the custom formulations that they serve their guests. This episode also touches on a few key tensions within the Bloody Mary world. For example, the tension between ritual and innovation and the impulse to reach for familiar flavors when you're traveling away from home. Of course, we couldn't have done any of this without support from the fine people at the St. Regis Hotel brand who were gracious enough to invite Adam and me into their bars and show us exactly why they have a reputation as one of the finest hospitality venues in the world. We'll have video of my Bloody Mary tasting at the St. Regis Hotel in Washington, D.C. over on the show notes page, as well as on our YouTube channel and Instagram page, so definitely check that out if you'd like to watch my full experience with the delicious Capital Mary cocktail. With that, let's jump straight into this jet-setting cocktail tour and tasting of signature Bloody Marys at the St. Regis Hotel. Adam, how about you introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure, happy to. So I live in the Dallas area. I'm a management consultant by trade. Uh, For about 20 years, I've been in that business focused on healthcare technology. So stuff like electronic health records and digital health. And uh, I mentioned that because making a career in consulting has done a couple of things for me that I think are relevant here. One is as a travel-based job, you're away from home quite a bit, but you do tend to accrue points and miles, right, which uh, helps with vacations and personal travel, which we'll get into. Uh, And then second, you know, through several thousand nights of dinners and restaurants at this point, 
you you get the chance to both expand and refine your palate. So you know, really across food and wine and cocktails, uh, I've been very fortunate, you know, very lucky to be able to, to learn a lot and try a lot of different things just through getting the reps in at bars and restaurants across all the years of travel. So, uh, you know, throughout that time, I was always kind of progressively building a home bar and doing my own thing on the weekends. And I certainly developed into an uh, amateur mixologist or cocktail enthusiast or whatever you know, more serious home bartender label you might want to apply. Um, but, you know, as, as, as the case with most people, the pandemic changed everything, right? Or, or at least several big things. I went from traveling four or five days a week to zero immediately. Uh, so I had no means to keep the flow of interesting cocktails going <laughs> other than to just make them myself, right? So I, I've stepped up my game, I would say. My wife might say I've gone off the deep end, but the truth is probably somewhere in between. Uh, and the second point is that I started using Instagram uh, really just about exactly a year ago. Um, you know, I was kind of a silent stalker for many years, just personal browsing. And I was having a Negroni in the backyard and just took a pic and thought, you know, I'll, I'll throw it out there. And uh, I, you know, got hooked a little bit, right? I've had the time and the interest to uh, to post something just about every day during the pandemic. And, um, and that may, maybe will connect into the Bloody Marys we're going to talk about here. Um, and last thing I'd say about myself, Eric, is I guess longtime listener, first time caller here. I uh, came across the podcast somewhere in the 20s, I think. Um, Cocktails in a sense of place. I'll always remember that first episode and, and finding that. So uh, now you're going on 200 episodes. I feel like I've, I've been along for a great ride and just very honored to be a small part of it here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, we were very happy to have you as our correspondent in the field, as it were, for this segment. Uh, I love the athletics analogy, getting in the reps as a consultant. And uh, certainly with the pandemic, you've been getting in the reps with your uh, growing Instagram account. So uh, definitely encourage our listeners to go check you out there uh, at just here for the drinks, all one word, no underscores. So why don't you tell us the first of your two experiences sort of in the American West dealing with the St. Regis signature Bloody Marys? Yeah, you know, it's funny because um, much like you, I think I would never have called myself a Bloody Mary guy. Right? I, I drink very little vodka. It's just not on my radar. But as the Breaking Bloody series had been going on for at least a couple episodes, I think, you know, at, at the midwinter point, it was uh, you know, a bit more on my mind. And um, my wife and I were in Utah. We try to get out from Texas as much as we can. And we did a, a week in the Park City and, and Canyons area. And we decided we would you know, slum it for a few days in an Airbnb, but we'd stay at the St. Regis a couple of nights to end the trip, you know, end on a, a nice note. And that's you know, one of those travel perks I mentioned earlier that um, you can do those kind of things a couple of times a year with, uh, with what you're able to build up. So. We, uh, we were there in, in Deer Valley and a beautiful hotel, you know, it's on the mountain. So you ski right out the door, you ski right up to the restaurant for lunch. And uh, we stopped on our first day and we're kind of early birds. So it's 11, you know, 11.15, restaurant is just filling up and, and getting going. And as we're um, looking at the menu, you know, I, I see the bloody go by and I'll, I'll leave a, just a brief dramatic pause there uh, and then come back to the visual. but talk a little bit about uh, what, what's in the drink first. So the base is really just a, a house tomato juice. There may be you know, some salt and pepper in there, 
but it's basically just tomato and then vodka. And they use a local uh, vodka called Five Wives, which I guess is a little Utah humor from, uh, from somebody out there. Um, but it's just tomato vodka as the base. And then on top of that uh, is a foam or an espuma, if you want to be fancy about it. But the, uh, the foam is wasabi, celery, green apple, and parsley. And then to top it, it's served in a, what I would just call a stemless wine glass or water glass. But um, to top, there's a rim of black Hawaiian salt, you know, rough grind, big granules. Uh, and then stuck in the drink is this pipette with Worcestershire and Tabasco. And it's uh, actually, it looks, you know, a little like a, a blood pipette almost, you know, I guess with the bloody theme as uh, unhygienic as it might sound. But so what you've got there then is this visually striking layered effect, right? With the, the bright, uh, smooth, you know, un tabasco tomato base. You've got this bubbly, bright green foam sitting on top of that. And you have the rocky black salt so it's visual and it's it's textural, and it's a little mad sciencey too, you know, with, with the foam and the pipette going on. So it's really uh, it, it kind of a classic. Like, what's that? I'll have one of those, and I'll have one too. And you know, certainly before we left there, uh, we'd had a couple, and the Bloody Marys were flowing. So that was kind of my my first impression. Call it a, a love at first sight, maybe, but also because it was so front of mind for me with the Breaking Bloody series, it's you know just something I had to try, and very glad that I did. Did the sort of layered or maybe not deconstructed nature of it uh, change the way that you enjoyed the drink? Because, I mean, when I think about a Bloody Mary cocktail, I think about something that you can sip through a straw or something that you can sort of just gulp from a, a pint glass. And it seems like this Deer Valley take on the Bloody Mary, the... 7452 Mary, which is, is named after uh, one of the, the elevations on the mountain, uh, I'm guessing the highest point there, uh, it, it seems like this version of it kind of messes with that. So did, it, it seems like you enjoyed multiple of them. So it was, I'm guessing it wasn't a huge problem for you, but did it change the experience at all relative to other Bloody Mary experiences you may have had in the past? Yeah, and I totally agree with you. And I, I would have used the term deconstructed myself um, because what's what's cool about this is I think the consumption uh, options that it offers to you right so you can mix the whole thing if you feel like it you can you know just sip at the foam get some of that really the, you know the fruit and the herbal pops out of there you can go you know with the straw right to the tomato juice if you want you can go salt no salt uh, you know you can use the pipette to, to adjust the amount of Worcestershire and Tabasco that's in there to your liking. So it really in, in a true deconstructed fashion, you can single out, you know, the taste experience of each component, but still enjoy it holistically. Uh, and in the service piece as well, you know, that water glass, stemless wine glass, um, you know, it, it kind of lends itself to more of a, a hand holder, right? So you sip it, you know, swirl it, sniff it, almost like you do with a, well, you know, with a cocktail or just a straight liqueur or bourbon, um, you know, different than the, the TGI Friday's 64 ounce glass mug, right? That you've got to pick up with two hands if you want to do that. So I, th I think a lot of thoughtful uh, work went in there to create, again, you know, something where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, but the parts absolutely stand on their own. 
The Bloody Mary at the Deer Valley St. Regis Hotel is probably the most experimental version we've examined so far in Breaking Bloody, and I think it bears some further comment. In a world where most Bloody Marys are made using a mix as a base, a master ingredient where the tomato, acid, heat, and spice are very often combined before the drink even touches your glass, it's compelling to be served a cocktail in which those ingredients are somewhat separated. It's an invitation to mix and to play. You can learn about each individual component and also how they act in combination, almost like a child plinking away at a piano learns how to play a chord. And it also comes with a toy. This pipette filled with Tabasco and Worcestershire sauce is the same exact kind that spirits judges use to add single drops of water to the spirits they're judging. I got a whole box of them in my cabinet at home, and it never occurred to me to use one as a way of sequestering ingredients from one another and providing a stunning visual contrast to the tomato and the wasabi espuma. We have Adam's beautiful photograph of this experimental Bloody Mary over on the show notes page so that you can see exactly what it looks like in its native environment. Next, we'll hear about Adam's second experience with a St. Regis Hotel signature Bloody Mary. This time, he had to track it down on the mean streets of Aspen, Colorado. So following Deer Valley, you know, you had seen the, the post on Instagram, and, and we've been talking a little bit before that, but kind of reignited this idea of, hey, we got to do something around these, these bloodies. And you actually informed me or educated me as to the St. Regis program or, or the ritual, as they call it. And I remember being on my laptop like early the next morning and reading about that and and going out and Googling. And I can be a little bit like a dog with a bone sometimes when I get into something. So it's like, as soon as I saw the, you know, the every location and their unique preparation, it was like, honey, we're going to Houston this weekend or, you know, checking flights to Bora Bora to see if that's opened back up yet. But, you know, excitement and, and daydreaming aside, uh, it just very coincidentally, as we were talking about that, um, I have a friend in Denver and we had booked just kind of a, a last minute getaway to Aspen. Uh, to do a couple more days of skiing. So there's a St. Regis there and it was uh, it was just like clockwork almost. You know, we, we got on the horn with the concierge there and you know tried to explain the great experience in Deer Valley and what we we're trying to do with the podcast. And I was uh, you know, very graciously welcome to spend some time with Marty, who is their bar and restaurant director out there. So uh, after a day on the slopes, they welcomed uh, my, my friend and I in and served us a couple of the downhill snappers and we had a, a wonderful experience, a different experience, wonderful uh, nonetheless, and uh, excited to share what that was like with Marty and, and go through that drink as well. Great. Yeah. Let's uh, actually jump right into that interview with Marty. Okay. It's Adam Bauer here. Uh, it's Saturday, March 13th. It's a cloudy day in Aspen. Snow is coming in overnight and here at the St. Regis after a day of skiing to sample the downhill snapper Bloody Mary. I'm here with Marty. Marty, do you mind telling us who you are and what you do here? Absolutely. Um, so I'm Marty Johnson. I'm the director of uh, restaurants and bars here at the St. Regis in Aspen. I've been working here at the St. Regis uh, for five years now. So overseeing all the food and beverage outlets. Fantastic. So Eric and I have uh, happened upon this discovery of the St. Regis Bloody Mary, and uh, come to find out both to, uh, to both of our surprises that there's uh, quite a history and a story there. So you mind taking us through uh, how this has evolved and uh, how it's become what it is today? Of course, absolutely. So, uh, you know, we actually have to take a little trip 
back to uh, the early 1900s when the first St. Regis in New York City uh, was built. It was in 1904 as the Astor family, John Jacob Astor IV specifically, that started the St. Regis. And um, they, you know, they built this beautiful hotel that was really kind of avant-garde and in a lot of ways. Um, and it became a really popular place uh, to, to, to come uh, for the elite social sphere of New York City uh, the early 1900s um, because, of course, the, the Astors were a big, prominent family. And John Jacob's mother, Carolyn Astor, she had um, a lot of, you know, events uh, that she liked to organize at the St. Regis. And everybody wanted to be part of these events. And uh, they later became what we call the, the St. Regis Rituals. So there's, uh, there's a few different ones. We have uh, the afternoon tea, for example, which is, again, comes back to Carolyn Astor meeting with her friends at St. Regis in New York City pretty much every day. And, you know, everybody wanted to be invited to that. And, uh, of course, it was, you know, a very uh, special event. So that, that's one of the rituals uh, that, that we have at St. Regis. Uh, we also do the evening ritual, or the, uh, what we call this champagne sabering. So a really fun event. Hopefully you can stay around and witness that. And then we have the Bloody Mary. And the Bloody Mary was actually invented at St. Regis in New York City. That was a little later on. It was in 1934. A French bartender named Fernand Petiot created the original uh, recipe for the Bloody Mary. Uh, at the time, they actually uh, thought the name was a little too colorful, and uh, so they decided to rebrand it the Red Snapper. So if you go to a few St. Regis's, you know, you might see a reference to uh, the old name, the, the Red Snapper. Uh, eventually, the original name came back in, in fashion, and of course, that's the, the name that everybody knows nowadays. So, so you know, we try, and when I say we, the St. Regis brand as a whole really tries to pay tribute to all these rituals and this rich history that we have um, that kind of sets us apart. So it's really important for us to, uh, you know, to, to try to feature all these rituals and promote them. And so for the, for the Bloody Mary, the idea is that every St. Regis has their own recipe, has their own version, which reflects some kind of local products, flavors, and then each hotel will have their own version, but they'll also, you know, feature a few, usually five other uh, Bloody Marys from other St. Regis properties. So our Bloody Mary, uh, the one that you're about to taste, is uh, the Downhill Snapper. So, of course, a little reference to our backdrop here. Yep. We, uh, we have uh, some, some great uh, slopes that we can just watch from our patio as we're recording this. And um, the uh, Downhill Snapper, the, the kind of the Local uh, reflection here is we use Woody Creek vodka, which is uh, vodka that's uh, distilled just 20 minutes from here down the salt. Their potatoes are grown in Woody Creek. Woody Creek's a little famous around here because uh, Hunter S. Thompson lived out there, hmm. uh, actually uh, lived right by the potato field of the, uh, the Woody Creek distillery. Uh, oh, wow. They literally like right on the side. Some people even say that when they uh, they shot his ashes from from the cannon, <laughs> some of it landed in the in the potato field. So he might be drinking a little bit. All of right, spirit. and now uh, it's here in the glass. Yeah, exactly. And uh, what we do is we infuse that vodka with uh, some dill and basil, and then of course incorporate our signature bloody mix, uh, which is made in house. And uh, in terms of the garnish, uh, we use a little slice of bacon, 
that's kind of a newer addition. Uh, seems to be very popular. Some cornichon, olive, and uh, we do have a little salt rim there and a lime. Voila. Fantastic. So we got a potato vodka as the base here, the house bloody uh, spice mix. And then I would, I don't know if I call this a little piece of bacon. I think that's a, a pretty good size, but I don't mind a little protein in my bloody. So um, yeah, awesome. I think I'll, I'll go ahead and give it a taste. I'm looking at it here. I think maybe it's maybe, um, just a little bit uh, pale, like a pale red. And this is in a tall Collins glass here. As you said, salt rim. We got a lime here bacon, cornichon, olive. So cheers, we'll give it a taste. Cheers. Mm. I definitely get the basil and the dill. That's probably the first tasting note that really just comes yeah. through. Um, and now the salt is kind of sticking around a little bit longer, but the, um, you know, I don't get like a blast of tomato out of that as much as I do get more of the herbal um, exactly. notes That's and flavors. To, to definitely, you know, um, be able to taste the, the that infusion, the, the herbal notes. Excellent. Do you sell these all around the clock? Is there a more popular time of day that guests are interested in this? You know, we actually do. Uh, I mean, of course, we, we see, you know, quite a few sales in the morning. Um, one thing we, we also do just to, to kind of um, celebrate the ritual is every day at a quarter past 11, uh, we have a tasting of little samplings, just shooters of our downhill snapper, which are complimentary for our hotel guests. Uh, so we always get a few people that uh, come down just specifically for that event. Nice. Yeah, very fresh. I could certainly see that with a plate of eggs in the morning uh, or apres ski, as we're doing now. Um, really never a bad time. So fantastic. Um, you know, to end on a, a more of a meta note, maybe sometimes a cocktail is just a cocktail. But here, obviously, you guys have done something really special with the Bloody Mary and, and the ritual across the hotels. Do you think that this is designed to evoke... Aspen in different ways. I mean, if you put this in front of a guest who's never been here or never try, tried one before, uh, is there an element in this that you really think communicates the mountains or the snow or? Yeah, I mean, you could say that, you know, the tall Collins glass, you know, kind of reflects the elevation of our mountains, the the little salt rim, that's the, the, the snow that we have Dusting here. So, snow, you know, if yeah. you have a little bit of imagination, you can definitely uh, uh, picture that. Um, and then, of course, I mean, I think like the Really, the, the, the most local, inspiring uh, aspect of it is, of course, the the vodka, um, the, the Woody Creek vodka, uh, which is quite popular here. I'm even maybe seeing a little bit of a ski pole here in the bamboo skewer that is used. So, there you fantastic. Go. <laughs> All right, Marty, any parting thoughts before I let you go here? Uh, no, but I was just going to say uh, maybe you should go and visit the uh, Woody Creek uh, distillery on your on your way out of town. It's really a beautiful place, and I'm sure if you uh, um, you know, let them know that you uh, have been talking to St. Regis and working on uh, on featuring uh, some of our products, with, uh, which which we feature here. Uh, they'd be really interested in just having you showing you around. It's a beautiful distillery. I've never met a distillery I didn't like. So awesome! Thanks, Marty. I really appreciate the time here and the drink, and um, wish you well in the future. And I'm going to kick back and enjoy the rest of this downhill snapper. Perfect. Cheers. Well, we hope seeing all of you in Aspen soon. Thanks to Adam and Marty for taking us through a tasting of the Downhill Snapper, which is a little bit more traditional than the offering at the St. Regis in Deer Valley, but something that still has a definite sense of place, right? Basil and dill both have a fresh, slightly alpine sensibility, and I love that piece of bacon in there because 
You know, if you're there for a ski trip, you could use a little richness and protein to fuel up for your next run down the slopes. Now, my experience with our final Bloody Mary for this episode was certainly the most traditional, and as we'll find out, there's a good reason for that. Here's my conversation with Olivier Azopardi from the St. Regis Hotel right here in Washington, D.C., who walked me through their signature offering, the Capital Mary. Olivier, nice to meet you. Pleasure to meet you, Harry. Uh, so we are here at the St. Regis Hotel in Washington, D.C., and uh, you're here to tell us a little bit about the Capital Mary cocktail. So what makes this variation on the Bloody Mary special? It's, it's the inspiration of the regional culture with the Chesapeake Bay and how we didn't transform, we just do our own version using local ingredients to create that very specific and unique Bloody Mary uh, version. So first of all, we were using liquor uh, from local source. It's been very, uh, very great to partner, partner with local distillery that are making uh, this vodka and this gin in the District of Columbia using uh, grains and berries from vendor and farmer all across the region right here being very local. And after to, to add a little bit of the <clears throat> of, of the local culture, Old Spice, how you cannot miss Old Spice in the region here between Baltimore and Washington DC and some uh, <clears throat> and some seafood as well too. So that's kind of our, our little of a signature uh, Bloody Mary version of the Red Snapper that originated 87 years ago. Right, right. And that's sort of why we're doing this series is to anticipate the 100th anniversary of the Bloody Mary, uh -huh. to learn a little bit more about it and to uh, learn how each Bloody Mary that the St. Regis chain creates is, is maybe a little bit different from the rest. So uh, so you mentioned that you're working with 1-8 Distilling here. Mm -hmm. um, and one thing that's unique about the Capital Mary is that you have an option between gin or vodka. Exactly. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that? Uh, Washington DC is a very gin drinking cities. Uh, so we started the original recipe and things are evolving all the time, by the way, that's what we love. And we're very listening to our guests about what they need and what, what they would like to see in drinks. So we already started with, with, um, with a gin, something totally different compared to any Bloody Marys as the original recipe is with vodka. Uh, but this uh, one eight distillery making now vodka uh, we wanted to, to introduce as well too, and be it will be more classical as well too. Still keeping our, our mix with uh, that old bay old bay spice, but getting the choice as well too, and that, that's what we love at, at Synergy to try to get our guests what what they're looking for. Yeah, and I think it's great. Uh, you know, even though there is a very long history of putting gin in the Bloody Mary, like the Red Snapper cocktail is sort of a gin-based cocktail. Uh, if you go back and do a little bit of reading about the early 20th century, but I think it's great to be able to give people the option because most people, when they think Bloody Mary, do not think gin. No, um, absolutely not. But you know what you did mention. One thing I want to call out is that the uh, the one eight distilling gin actually uses a, a pretty unique local botanical, which is what you were talking about. It's the Appalachian spice bush, mm -hmm. uh, and that does give the gin a slightly warmer quality. I think it complements the juniper nicely, which is um, you know something that adds a little bit of depth and complexity to the Bloody Mary. So I think it's a very welcome addition. Now looking at the Capital Mary here, we've got uh, a garnish that is both fairly traditional 
but also has a few little pieces of flair in it. Can you talk about the garnish and, and what that adds to the cocktail? So what we try to do in the St. Regis is be very, as you mentioned, very traditional. There is a long history and storytelling about the entire brand. And, and even our property has been here since 1926, not been St. Regis since 19, 1999. But everybody do have a history here in town. And especially that bar, the bar used to be before the pandemic. Uh, very popular where people were gathering after happy hours. Uh, <clears throat> so we want to keep that tradition. But at the same time, as I mentioned earlier, we try to evaluate and enhance everything that we're doing in St. Regis, keeping the tradition, but going to more modern as well too. <clears throat> and just thinking about the Bloody Mary mix as well too. Now cocktail are like, cocktail maker, I'm gonna say bartender and uh, mixologist are like chef. Uh, you want you want the best of the city because it's like a chef who are getting a new recipe, trying to do trying to create something that is unique, and then that's what I love about that, that evolution. That between you keep that tradition, but you add a little bit of your own creativity and moving moving to the next level as well. Chef. Yeah. So before we taste this, I, we've talked about <laughs> the the booze. We've talked about uh, the garnish and sort of like the tension between tradition and innovation. Uh, what about the mix? Is there is there any one flavor that or, or collection of flavors that you're trying to highlight with the mix itself? Because a traditional Bloody Mary will contain some savory element like Worcestershire sauce, mm -hmm. something maybe a little bit spicy, maybe some acid in the form of citrus or vinegar. What what makes the, the mix for this cocktail unique? So we're using the base, uh, the base traditional uh, recipes. We do have the tomato juice, we do have uh, lemon juice, we do have Worcestershire. Uh, for, we do use Tabasco, but for uh, the spiciness, we do have as well uh, some horseradish. Do you get that? You know that thing that you come in your nose when you get horseradish. Mm -hmm. uh, to get a bit of that texture that you have and the smell, and uh, all the spice making the entire thing. It's it's already so complex spices that is all together. So you get a bit of salt, you get a bit of spice, and you get a lot of flavor as well too. That bring everything all together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and obviously on the garnish here we have uh, beautiful shrimp that's skewered here, and then we have a rim of Old Bay seasoning, Absolutely, correct? yes. And so I think that horseradish being one of the key components in cocktail sauce, mm -hmm. you know, so we've got a shrimp, it's mm -hmm. all, we're almost having a, you know, a shrimp cocktail here, uh, which I think is, is wonderful. Uh, I think it's always important to have edible garnishes and certainly on a Bloody Mary. Do you mind if I Please. take a sip here? Do we yeah. know which of these spirits is, is in the Bloody Mary here? This one, uh, we put gin. All right, that's good. That's good, I'm a gin guy. Uh, one thing I'll note is that the um, the garnish is, is really nice here. You even have a little bit of a chive on here. Absolutely, yes. Oh, that's lovely. I didn't see that at first, but I think that's perfect for, for a nice bite. And I love the Old Bay rim. Uh, one of the things I love about Old Bay as I'm just holding up this Bloody Mary is that you get to see some of the whole spices that are, that are actually mm -hmm. um, in the allspice that is uh, Old Bay seasoning. It's a collection of other spices and you get to sort of see them here featured on the rim of the glass which is a wonderful affordance because the Bloody Mary is designed to be a stunning and eye-capturing cocktail mm -hmm. because it's bright red with that green shock of celery. The human eye is actually designed to pick up red and green better and more precisely and more vividly than any other color. Mm -hmm. And so we've got this wonderful contrast and then we've got the texture of all those little spices that are ground up in the Old Bay. And this is just a wonderful, wonderful first look. Now we'll take a first sip. Mm. I get the horseradish mm -hmm. right away. It's nice, 
and salty, but not too salty. Yeah. And the gin is kind of sitting right in the background. It doesn't feel like I'm taking a sip of a martini or something. It doesn't feel like I'm drinking, uh, you know, a gin-forward cocktail like a, like a gin and tonic or something mm -hmm. like that. It's really nicely balanced, and I could see myself drinking multiple of these <laughs> uh, very, very easily. The Capital Mary is a strong reminder of what is so delicious about a classic Bloody Mary. There might not be a celery wasabi espuma, and there might not be an infused vodka with the rumor of Hunter S. Thompson's ashes, but what you do get with the Capital Mary is a wonderful composed bite of seafood, complemented by Old Bay seasoning and horseradish, as well as the choice between vodka or gin. And if there's anything that screams brunch to me, it's the sheer delight of having an array of choices set out before you. Here's Olivier's closing thoughts on how tradition and a sense of ownership have kept the Bloody Mary alive and thriving at the St. Regis Hotel for almost a century. It does seem that tradition, especially as you get closer to that New York epicenter, becomes more and more important. Um, that's certainly one of the things that we've highlighted in some of our other St. Mm -hmm. Regis interviews. It just seems like everyone is so hyper aware that this cocktail was invented by this brand, mm -hmm. and there's there's a great sense of ownership that I see there. Um, do do you do you feel that the Bloody Mary is, is a special cocktail for you and for, for your company? It is, and what I love about this brand is it's become a ritual. It's not a tradition anymore, and you get that heritage we've been carrying on through almost hundred hundred years right now, and highlighting because many other <clears throat> brand of hotels did invent a cocktail but you don't have that continuity that promote it all the time. That as a Bloody Mary, St. Regis, I mean, we do have a book dedicated to all the Bloody Marys that come in your room. That is something very unique that we have, that you keep the tradition and that elegance as well. Too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's wonderful that you offer that book as a resource to your guests mm -hmm. because it really does allow the imagination to wander and, and uh, what, it, what it shows is the elaboration on the cocktail mm -hmm. across time and across space because what, what is unique about a hotel is that the hotel, if you're there, chances are you're traveling, you're in motion, you're somewhere that is not your home. And to be able to go somewhere that's not your home and have something so comforting and so personal mm -hmm. and so universal as the Bloody Mary, uh, I think it's a wonderful gesture of hospitality. So Olivier, uh, thank you so much for walking me through. My pleasure, Eric, thank the, you for coming in. Yeah, the Capital Mary is delicious and anybody who is happening through Washington, D.C., maybe on a, on a Sunday in, in search of some brunch. I hope you do uh, stop by the St. Regis and, and uh, look for the Bloody Mary once the bars back open fully. It will pretty soon. Yes. Thank yes. you again. My pleasure. Thank you. After all was said and done, Adam and I got together and tried to make sense of these three unique beverage experiences and maybe even pull out some universal themes and takeaways that can guide us into the future of the Bloody Mary cocktail. You know, one of the things, and I think I think you probably got this from my interview with Olivier here in D.C., is that there's this tension, I think, between traditional and experimental with some of these Bloody Mary options. And, and just by looking at some of the recipes that they have on um, their on the Marriott website, it, it's interesting that geography plays such a crucial role in that. And Olivier almost indicated that there was this magnetic pull, this this sort of um, 
influence that the original St. Regis Hotel in New York City has on some of the surrounding geography. So the uh, the Bloody Mary here in D.C. is definitely on the more traditional side, as I would argue is the downhill snapper. But then as we sort of kind of increase the size, increase the radius, the geography that sits between one St. Regis location and that original in New York City, I, I see more of a relaxation into playfulness. Um, did, what do you, what are your thoughts on that tradition versus experimentation tension? Yeah, I think a lot of that is in the eye of the beholder or the, the eye of the drinker, right? Where, um, I definitely understand the, you know, the, the culture and the, uh, the history and the respect, right? Of the original and, and kind of staying true to the, um, to the brand or to the, the source in that sense. But I agree with you, you know, as I was looking uh, across the, the global list of locations and you know, there is a web page, if you, you know, quick Google, I'm sure you can find it, but uh, you know, very artful page of all the different St. Regis spots and, and their signature recipes. And something that seems, you know, very exotic or experimental to us is really just drawing from local influence in places like Asia or Africa or South America. And uh, I think it, it maybe is true to the essence in that sense that it's, you know, it speaks of the place. And I don't think many of them are overcomplicated, right? It's, it's more about the choice of ingredients um, and just making a great product out of it than really going, you know, wild with, with 30 ingredients or extravagant garnishes. Um, so I, I think that it's, the discovery in my mind is more from, uh, as you said, the sense of place or the, the localization and drawing from what's unique in that part of the world more than uh, kind of an intentional uh, attempt to break the mold or to take the, the classic and flip it entirely on its head just for the sake of flipping it. I really like your point about local ingredients and not overcomplicating things because uh, of course, we're going to link to the webpage on the show notes page uh, where folks can go and check out all of these different Bloody Mary variations. And one of the things that I find really compelling about the artwork that they use to illustrate these drinks is that especially as you go to, you know, places with iconic geography or landscapes. Um, for example, the Capitol Mary uh, has the the U.S. Capitol in the background with with the the big, big old shrimp garnish on there. But then, you know, you, you go to, um, you know, Moscow and you have uh, one of the one of the beautiful palaces on there in the background. The the Merid the Meridius Resort has uh, almost this beautiful island landscape reflected through the Bloody Mary and, and so on and so on. And so it really does seem like there's there's a respect for the place, the sense of place. And, and I think that brings us to a really interesting tie between the Bloody Mary, the hotel, of course, the specific St. Regis chain, but also hotels in general, and the tradition of brunch. Because I really do think that there's something about the Bloody Mary that belongs in a hotel and that belongs with brunch and when you're at a hotel having brunch, chances are you're traveling. Maybe not always, but there's a decent chance that you're traveling. And I think there's a tie between all of this that is sort of tugging at the edges of our imagination right now. And as we continue on this series, maybe, just maybe, we'll be able to 
put it into words. I don't know if I can right now. What are your thoughts on on the on the travel aspect? Being somebody who has traveled so much more than I have. Yeah, I think it is. It's one of those things that's tough to do at home, right? It's it may be reserved for a special occasion, even if that's just being on the road somewhere or a weekend trip or something. Uh, you know, honeymoon, whatever it might be, more important than that. But um, I, you know, I do think that it's when you're having one, it's memorable, right? It's very rare, unless it's a, a bad Bloody Mary, <laughs> frankly, you, you're probably going to remember that experience and associate that with, I was here at this time with these people and I had this incredible drink. And, and yeah, I mean, maybe that does all tie into, uh, you know, sleeping in and waking up on a, you know, a nicer bed than you have at home and, having somebody bring you a, a you know, beautiful plate of eggs or pancakes or whatever it is. But I, I do think that it's it's integral to that that experience. And this is the, the trap, Eric, that you've created for yourself with this whole bloody program is that the more you dig, the more there is to discover. So I think you're onto something, but uh, to be continued, right? Absolutely. Well, well, Adam, I want to thank you again because this episode wouldn't have been possible without your correspondence from the fields. Um, we also, of course, need to send a big thank you to all of our friends at the St. Regis Hotel chain. Uh, they were extremely, extremely accommodating for us. Uh, there was absolutely no questions asked. Just come on in, come learn, come experience. And uh, I think that's something that as as folks get vaccinated uh, is getting to be more and more of an exciting prospect. So um, I hope that uh, sometime soon that you and I get to share a Bloody Mary in person. And again, just thank you so much for uh, your contribution to this uh, strange piece of uh, Bloody Mary journalism. Hey, man, we'll, we'll make it happen this year. And cheers to you and uh, another 200 episodes to come. Amen. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, there's two big things you can do for us here at Modern Bar Cart. One would be to tell your friends and family if you think they'd enjoy listening to us talk about cocktails. And if they don't download podcasts, they can always stream our episodes on their desktop directly from the show notes page at modernbarcart.com. The other thing you can do to help would be to head on over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and leave us a review. Five stars are great, but we're more interested in your feedback. And the beauty is the more reviews we have, the easier it will be for other folks out there to learn about our show. We're trying to start cocktail revolution here and by spreading the word you're helping us fight the good fight you can always reach us by emailing podcast at modernbarcart.com if you're looking for cocktail or bartending advice or if you're a pro who would like to pull up a mic and be interviewed for all to hear also definitely follow us on instagram and facebook at modern barcart for cocktail porn recipes and entertaining tips and keep an eye out for new product releases and special offers, which are happening all the time. We love our listeners and we really enjoy giving you exclusive discounts and sneak peeks at our latest and greatest cocktail projects. This episode may be over, but for you, the mixological fun and adventures are just beginning. So remember folks, drink responsibly and experiment boldly.
This episode was made possible with editing and sound design by Samantha Reed, Jet Setting Bloody Mary Recording by Adam Bauer, Legendary Hospitality by several St. Regis Hotel locations, and a little bit of storytelling magic by yours truly. This has been a Modern Bar Cart production, copyright 2021.